Welcome to the As Yet Unnamed podcast from Course 5 Intelligence, Episode 1, Competitive Intelligence. Have you found yourself in meetings where, before making a decision, someone asks, what is our competition doing? Do you wonder what all that information about the market implies for your company? If so, then today's podcast is for you. We're going to talk about competitive intelligence. I'm David McBride, SVP of Digital Solutions and Consulting at Course 5 Intelligence, and I'm joined today by Joseph Sursak and Bhavneet Sekhal two of my Course 5 colleagues. Joseph has extensive experience in the, in the data sphere at companies like Sterling Software, Epiphany, Mantis, eClerks, and now Course 5. As SVP of EMEA at Course 5, Joseph leads initiatives across sales, marketing, HR, and customer success management. Welcome, Joseph. Thank you, David. Lovely introduction. I'm delighted to be here today. Good to have you. Bhavneet is an analytics and data ex, uh, product expert with experience at companies including Pipco and Experience. And now as AVP for Course5's digital suite, she's leading product development and product management for Course5 Compete, our competitive intelligence offering. Welcome, Bhavneet. Hi, David. Happy to be part of this podcast. Thanks for joining. And thank you, listener, for listening in as well. We're going to have a great conversation today about competitive intelligence, use cases, case studies, tools, where the market's been, where it's going, and we're all going to be so smart by the end of today's podcast, right? That's right. Before we get into that, uh, I want to say something about the name of our podcast. Does the podcast need a name? It does, right? But when do you have to give the podcast a name? Do you have to come up with a name before you start recording or before the end of the first episode? It's sort of like when you have a baby and you're at the hospital and you haven't picked out a name and you can't decide on a name for the baby and your wife wants one name and you want another name, but mostly you just want to take the baby home. Uh, but the nurses won't let you leave the hospital until you give the baby a name. Well, it turns out that you can take your baby home without a name, it's just that the nurses don't want to deal with the paperwork. But to avoid making all of that a problem, to avoid making a scene, you resist the urge to call your attorney and you let your wife choose the name that she wanted which somehow seems fitting. And then she lets you choose the name of the next baby, so it all works out. Well, all of this to say, we're gonna have a name for this podcast by the end of today's podcast. We're not leaving the hospital without giving this baby a name. Or else we're not going home. We're gonna keep recording. Um, not because we can't go home, but because I don't want to deal with uh, the hassle later on. But, but more on that later. We'll talk about a name toward the end. Let's talk about competitive intelligence, also known as CI. Um, you know, I, actually, I've got a, an initial question for you, Bhavneet. Um, what do we mean when we say competitive intelligence? Could you define this space for us? David, there are quite a few different ways of uh, describing competitive intelligence. And um, I will refer to one commonly used and referred uh, by Wikipedia. That is, competitive intelligence is the action of defining, gathering, analyzing, and distributing intelligence about your products, customers, competitors, and really any aspect of the environment needed to support the executives and managers in strategic decision making for an organization. Um, and here I like to call it that, you know, often we've seen that competitor analysis um, and competitive intelligence are sort of used interchangeably but they're two different concepts 
competitive intelligence is more about analyzing your competitors it really embraces the entire environment and stakeholders including your customers competitors distributors and other macroeconomic data within competitive intelligence as well uh, there are couple of variations uh, one form of competitive intelligence is what we call as strategic intelligence which focuses more on the macro or the longer term view of the organization uh, it really helps answer questions like what should be the strategic direction uh, of the organizations 3 uh, years 4 years or 5 years down the line and therefore what are the strategic risks and opportunities facing the organization on the other hand we have tactical intelligence which is primarily focused on providing information around improving short term decisions uh, you know which are focused on either improving your bottom line or your top line and you know this is more often related with the intent of growing again your market share or revenues and therefore it covers your five p's of marketing uh, you know which is product price promotion place and people so quick quick question for you on all that everything you're describing sounds like it's completely above board and 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 I want to make sure that that we're clear on on this point i i i've heard the term uh competitive intelligence and um industrial espionage used in the same category sometimes but but there really are different things everything we're talking about with competitive intelligence is is entirely legal and above board from sort of publicly available sources is that is that a fair way to describe it absolutely uh david and you know this is uh, this is a common set of questions uh, or dilemma out there when you're talking about competitive intelligence A competitive intelligence is actually a very legal business practice, as opposed to, of course, industrial espionage. And therefore, everything uh, uh, that is sort of collected in terms of data uh, is related to publicly available data. That's really uh, what constitutes competitive intelligence. Yeah, if I could um, add um, a couple of points. So, first of all, referring to your kickoff, David. Yes. I do appreciate the analogy with the hospitals. I got four kids, and we always had delayed naming processes in our household. That's fine. Not the only one. No, not the only one. And um, your your distinction between espionage and competitive intelligence. There's a good case to bring to bear here. Um, some of the industries that Vlad mentioned more in the e-commerce space, such as travel and leisure, and retail. And there's a case somewhere in the late 90s. possibly no actually mid mid 2000s where Ryanair which is a with the biggest shortfall airline in Europe um went to the high court in Europe because of their definition of competitive intelligence and access to public information and essentially they were complaining to the uh to the regulators and to the authorities that too many people were coming to their website to scrape their prices their product availability their flight and consequently impacting the performance of the website and they were trying to stop the practice in order to keep their competitive advantage because a lot of it was on price and still is leading with a price advantage and that case eventually got thrown out of court and that set the benchmark for the rest of Europe and for a lot of other regions 
to say this is publicly available data, it's available for others to use, and there is a responsibility for anybody collecting data not to interfere with other people's performance on their website, but there are no um, legal standings that would get in the way of that at the moment. Interesting. Yeah, I'm sure uh, the court had in mind when they made that decision the, the precedent that they would be setting. Um, and thinking through a scenario where they might have ruled in favor of the company, uh, where, where then you couldn't go to a website to assess what a competitor was doing would, would, would sharply, uh, hamper not just corporations, but also individuals and what they could do. Uh, so, you know, I think the court made a, a good decision there. Yeah. Well, what are, you know, that's, that's an interesting question. Like, uh, if, if visiting a website and scraping the site is one form of, of doing this, one data source, what are some of the other, uh, typical data sources or, or maybe even some of the sort of unobvious, non-obvious data sources that are considered and used in, in competitive intelligence efforts? Absolutely. Yeah. Go on, Thanks, Joseph. Uh, so David, like I referred to within competitive intelligence as well, uh, you know, there's two ways of looking at that information or uh, that intelligence is really uh, looking at uh, how strategic or what is what is the end goal of that information uh, and then sort of the more tactical part of it which is uh, for related to you know, achieving really short-term business goals. And, and I think uh, when we talk about data sources, we can divide them uh, uh, with respect to these two variations. So, you know, for um, the strategic intelligence, uh, you know, there are multitude of uh, resources available, both secondary and augmented by some of the primary resources as well. Um, and that traditionally falls within the market research function uh, or functions that are closely associated uh, with, uh, you know, strategic decision-making aspects of the organization. So, you know, looking at research, uh, third-party research, uh, primary research that's being conducted, looking at some of the secondary resources, uh, both online and offline, I would say would constitute um, strategic intelligence while for the tactical intelligence part, uh, which is you know related more to the sites or for the product, we largely look at online data sources, and you know uh, that has also evolved over the last few years, looking at the proliferation of digital and mobile, and the disruption that it's causing. Digital has become uh, the first the sort of the channel of uh, choice for our customers and that's where really the purchase process or decision starts and, and therefore uh, there are a lot of online data sources and uh, it could be online e-tailers like your Amazon, eBay's and the best buys of the world. Uh, it could be the dot-coms of brands uh, and could also be customer forums. Customers are becoming really aware and uh, intelligent and talking about their pre-purchase, post-purchase uh, experiences and sharing it uh, with the community and therefore these are some of uh, the largely common data sources. Uh, like I said again, competitive intelligence is uh, looking at collecting data which is publicly available therefore uh, you know these are uh, the more the known set of data sources. 
uh, I don't know, Joseph, if you'd like to add to that. Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, to pick up where Bernit left off, um, there's been some trends in in the industries that we work with uh, closely over the last, uh, again, probably over the last 10 years, where the predominant B2B players, typically a little more liberal with some of the information that they shared, um, some of it online, some of it in print and catalogs. And then as, as the world pivoted a lot more towards uh, digital and transparency of that information, um, some of that information has actually gone back into the business um, and it's difficult to get hold of. So you've got to find them creative ways um, to compete in that space. That's where the secondary and final research comes in, uh, if you want to get direct. And so that, that's gone one way. And then the, the more traditional airlines, retail, um, insurance, aggregators, marketplaces, they've also reduced the practice they had 10 years ago, where they would have a catalog, and there would be some promotions and some prices, and then online there would be a smaller catalog. And all that has converged. And so now you've got a very healthy and consistent view of businesses and products and promotions online um, for anybody who's, who's operating you know, in any B2C or B2B2C. And then for the B2B, uh, then you're definitely relying on primary and secondary research because you know, they're aware that um, some of the businesses they conduct, they would prefer not to share the detail uh, in any sort of public fashion. So there's been that sort of bifurcation of, of access of information, but at the same time, everybody's competing online. So, as Dominique said, sometimes the, the discussion or the debate can happen in a, in a classic uh, e-commerce environment. Sometimes it's in a social media environment. Sometimes it's in an uh, aggregator or a, a marketplace like Alibaba. And so these places are not, they're not getting smaller, they're getting broader and bigger. Um, now we're talking about some of the IM, so WhatsApp and others thinking of bringing out e-commerce transactions. So. That's, that's where the trend is for the, uh, for the more day-to-day retail system. Interesting. You, you mentioned, um, both of you mentioned data types that um, I think might be challenging for, for some systems to acquire. Uh, like on the promotion side of things, I imagine that there's a need to understand what, what an image looks like. So image recognition uh, would become important. Uh, for mining customer forms, text sort of natural language understanding becomes important. And so this makes me think about the the relevance of or the importance of AI in the space. Uh, can, can, would, would you like to talk about um, what are some of the ways that AI is assisting with competitive intelligence? So David, and that's an interesting point that you make. And, uh, you know, uh, while you were talking about this example, uh, I was relating to a couple of um, sort of experiments uh, that we've done with clients in the recent past uh, with respect to image recognition um, and some of the use cases. Um, and, and definitely one of the trends that is very, very quickly evolving within the CI space is really looking at the application of AI for some of these use cases. and. Um, uh, here at Cost 5, we have a, a you know, very strong AI practice. We have an AI lab and over the last 18 months, uh, we've actually sort of developed our very own uh, framework for image recognition. We call it the computer vision framework. You know, it's sort of based on cutting edge R&D that's been conducted within our AI labs uh, in collaboration with uh, certain 
global AI uh, authorities. Uh, and, and essentially what, what we're trying to do here is really understand that, say for example, when a user uploads a product in it, uh, the AI engine will then sort of compare that creative uh, with, uh, you know, visually similar ones from the database. So there's a lot of supervised and unsupervised learning that's sort of gone behind building this model. And, you know, this will really help the user then know if uh, that creative is visually similar to probably um, campaigns that have performed in the past. Um, there are preloaded KPIs uh, for each of these creatives that are there in the database. So we've developed this framework. Uh, we've had a couple of interesting use cases, one with a large apparel brand, uh, you know, where they wanted to use this as one of the matching criteria when identifying, uh, you know, if sort of resellers are selling some of these products below uh, what we say the minimum advertising pricing uh, can be easily identified. It's really hard within the apparel space to sort of match, uh, get exact matches on products. So therefore, uh, this was a key advantage uh, that client had uh, sort of looked at uh, to be able to undertake this activity. And the second that we've seen is really in the social context. You know, what are people talking about? What are some of the images uh, that are coming up? And how can we sort of match this and identify emotions or gestures, uh, you know, related to some of these images? Yeah, I could um, bring in sort of a related but tangential point uh, since you brought up uh, technology, David. Obviously, Course 5 is, you know, a provider of such a solution and uh, there's others in the marketplace that do that do similar things. I think when we're talking to clients, uh, we find that when, when the conversation about technology and automation and artificial intelligence, it's funny, but some of them uh, would prefer, it's not sort of uh, bifurcated, but would prefer a lot of focus on the collection and automation and AI on the collection side, and then others uh, actually prefer it on the downstream which is the analysis and the deployment of the insight. So, um, as Bernice said, when you're dealing with social media, sometimes you're dealing with unstructured data, and you've got to make sense of that, and that's where the downstream, once you've collected the data, how do you break that down? How do you draw sense out of it? How do you draw conclusions from it? And there you can use algorithms, and we again built um, systems to take unstructured text and turn that into a lot of variables that can be worked on. And so the point I'm trying to draw is uh, there's that upside and the downside and each corporation, the way they set up their teams, the way they set up their, their view of competitive intelligence, um, will partner with somebody like O5. And often, they, they focus more on one than the other. And so you need technology on both sides. It, it kind of reminds me of a scenario when I worked um, at American Eagle Outfitters, an apparel company, that uh, we were looking at, uh, I remember sitting in, in a meeting and, and we were trying to figure out what promotion we should do for the upcoming weekend. We had been looking at data uh, for similar promotions in the recent past and somebody asked the question uh, well, well what did we do this same week I think it was a holiday week what did we do this same week a year ago and it took us a long time to go through our archives of our email and figure out where we uh, we knew what the, the promotion was uh, because it was listed a spreadsheet that we were looking at but we didn't have eyes on the actual image and so we, we pulled that up and we, we saw okay most of our email that week was 
uh, I'm going off of memory here, but it was it was highly promotional. It was a percentage off, uh, and it wasn't really around lifestyle. And so that, that kind of informed, well, maybe we should do the same thing again if we're going to comp the, the result from the previous year. And someone brought up the question, well, what about what was, what was the competition doing last year and what have they been doing recently? And, and we, ha- we were able to look at the recent stuff, but we didn't have this archive of what they were doing in the past. It seems to me that there's the potential for using a tool like Courtside Compete to have that, that, uh, that archive and also a trended view. Uh, that's based on a mix of um, uh, collected information about what what your competitors have been doing, uh, how have they been talking about themselves in a variety of channels, not just email, how, what, what type of images have they been using, and you can even potentially, you don't have access to all their internal numbers, but you could tie that to their publicly available uh, financial results and see if there's any correlation there. Uh, are those types of scenarios uh, the, the sorts of things that, that we're aiming to address with a tool like Course 5 Compete? Uh, yes, David. Um, and, you know, that is an integral part of the entire product. Um, so uh, when we look at products like Course 5 Compete, there are basically three elements and data being one of the most critical and data not just with respect to um, having a sight of uh, what is happening today. Uh, but also having the ability as to look at historical data to sort of then arrive at some of these uh, conclusions or insights that you were referring to uh, earlier uh, during your experience at American Hospital is to really say what has happened in the past, how, you know, what are some of the trends uh, that we need to keep in mind and post five uh, complete does give you that ability. What we are doing as an organization is um, uh, we are also collecting a lot of data on an ongoing basis for some of our top verticals uh, that we are focused on as an organization. Retail, CPG and uh, high tech being three of those uh, top four. And uh, you know we are continuously on a regular basis, or rather on a daily basis, collecting data with respect to pricing, promotion, uh, product information, and and really uh, information on product reviews as well, uh, to be able to give that ability to our clients to also have this view and and then be able to compare and take some of these decisions for the future. And you know, in my recent engagements with clients. This is sort of becoming a critical differentiator uh, when when they talk about competitive intelligence uh, because uh, you know you're not just looking at this data in isolation, but this data is also augmenting a lot of other initiatives uh, around analytics and insights within an organization. And a couple of examples from our own experience: we engage with a large global technology player where um, you know they're sort of using the promotion data from Course 5 Compete to actually um, augment their 3M models to understand uh, how uh, you know changes in promotions or promotions are uh, you know sort of having a positive impact uh, on that and sort of giving them ability to further strengthen uh, some of those uh, insights from the models and you know, we've seen some of these two um, cases in the last 24 months, wherein uh, you know, competitive intelligence data is not just sort of looked at in isolation to say, oh, you know, uh, am I more price competitive than my competition? 
today than more promotions uh, but really uh, you know how is it affecting demand how can i use this data uh, within my larger analytics initiatives as well so really looking at competitive intelligence as well sort as of a third leg interesting to consider you know the, the phrase not just in isolation i think is is really important and moving these data types together is something that we often talk about in the analytics sphere and so it seems to me that competitive intelligence and analytics should be natural partners in uh in in providing insights to to growing revenue or cutting costs or improving satisfaction or other business priorities are you are you seeing any uh, best practices with regard to bringing uh, competitive intelligence and data analytics practices more closely into alignment with each other absolutely uh, i mean it's a change that's happening um, um i think it's, it's uh, today it is uh, sort of driven by market forces how some of the changes happening with respect to digital and mobile is disrupting your older business models of you know sort of running a business but i think uh, today it's not as natural uh, i really like you mentioned it needs to be a natural fit that we still see those silos it's going to be a while it's going to take a while for all of these different data uh types to come together uh, for uh, you know the analytics practice and and the ci part of the business to come together and stitch up story uh which is going to enable faster decisions for the organization uh but we do see that happening in uh, again in in a plan and it really depends upon where they are in their journey uh you know with respect to competitive intelligence or analytics some of the clients who just sort of embarked on this journey um are still sort of bringing things out trying to put you know context around how uh, this information uh, with respect to price promotion uh, or uh, you know product can be used uh, within uh, the various marketing functions uh, or for um, you know some of the other decision making initiatives for others who are slightly more evolved I have moved from traditional business models of just operating in the offline space to probably um, uh, you know being a uh, being a multi format retailer kind of organization with both an uh, online and offline presence we see that change happening we see uh, in fact uh, the analytics or the insights organization driving this change and uh, sort of bringing all of these elements of uh, information or data competitive intelligence being one of them together um, and then sort of stitching that into the story and going back to the business users uh, for consumption so uh, you know it's not just information today that clients are looking at but sort of intelligence information in the form of quick actionable insights just don't tell me what the data looks like or what the data is telling me but tell me as a business what action i can take based on this information and then i think that's where both these analytics and ci functions are sort of coming together um, naturally that kind of org structure uh, opportunity there but and then maybe we'll get back to that um but but i i'd like to dig into um the case study concept of, of or or here's some examples of uh 
of scenarios where you've seen competitive intelligence work to uh, Joseph, you mentioned uh, the, the Ryanair uh, scenario um, that was maybe yep. a, a contrary case study. Are, are there other are there case studies that you're aware of of organizations that are really uh, doing a good job with uh, competitive intelligence? Sure. I think uh, it's where also uh, bearing in mind uh, something that we refer to as, as, as the clock of a company. So if I was to take the Ryanair uh, airline and car rental sort of sector, their clock in this domain would be daily. So they'll be checking prices, promotions, uh, availability, literally on a daily basis. And for car rental, uh, it'll be many times a day. So that clock is a very, very quick few hours clock. If you go to a CPG example, their competitors are not altering their products on an hourly basis, daily basis, not even on a weekly basis. They may have some pretty aggressive promotions, but typically that clock is between weekly and monthly. It used to be quarterly, but that's also changing. So when we're looking at case studies, it varies considerably about the value that you can draw from these, these solutions um, in the competitive intelligence sphere. I know of a few cases in travel and um, car rental where they were able to intercept sudden changes in, uh, in their competitors and the competitors were changing their strategy on price and availability because of the stock that they were carrying, but you couldn't see that. All you could see was the price change rapidly escalating in various airports, and so they were able to intercept that and interpret that as, you know, that condition. Um, in more sort of retail apparel, I think there, uh, the more common use case is about tracking what's happening in channel. Um, so if you're a, a big brand, and you are selling your, your clothing line or your shoe line or your hat line and, and you're both going direct and indirect so your own .com as well as maybe through uh, an Amazon or maybe an eBay or Alibaba then uh, you might find that the way your business is built up you might have several countries with their own .com and then presence in one of these marketplaces and so competitive intelligence in that space could either be tracking price and ensuring that there's a bit of adherence to the to the compliance that the company wants to adhere to on price and product availability and so on. Or it is also tracking, you know, at country level for competitors. So comparing like for like within the same country to track any deviations. Ironically, the, the, the bigger sort of ROI that we have seen in that sort of large apparel environment has been more about compliance and regulation and adherence to a pricing policy so they can minimize missed messages or miscommunication to clients. So to the, to the larger public, when, when a price sort of deviates, they catch it early um, in the channel and then they fix it so that they keep that consistent. And then in sort of the organizations where the catalog is not that broad, so they've got maybe 100 products or maybe 200 as opposed to 70,000, uh, there you can see ROI and pure revenue. So there if you can get the price right and your, your promotion right in the channel, and that can be varying by season, by by certain aspects of the marketplace, there you can see revenue kick in reasonably quickly. And we have examples where clients have taken their online revenue from a few hundred thousand dollars and moved that to many, many million and in some cases billions in less than six years, five years quarter. And um, the big instigator or the big facilitator in that is keeping a very close eye on four competitors, what they were doing across their range, and then being very smart about uh, product launches 
um, about promotions and about pricing in China. So uh, I did want to come back to a point that was made earlier, which was that linking from competitive intelligence to analytics. What I've seen is where the client is beginning to realize how important personalization is, how important messaging is, and consequently, the marketing team is interested in the competitive intelligence of the promotion, is interested in the competitive intelligence of the placement in China. And so there's a natural synergy there. Uh, so there's a lot of ROI because that value now is beyond just competitive intelligence for pricing a product, but now we're giving value add to other parts of the business uh, that do not have that transparency and suddenly they have access to that information. Uh, and Bernid and I work on a couple of those. And then the last ROI case that I can think of the top of my head is one where uh, like a large CPG company um, is trying to intercept a large initiative by a competitor. So you can imagine the very large CPG and there's many of them from the Pepsis to the Unilevers to the Danones to the Record and Benkiser. And they typically are moving you know, in, in certain waves of activity and uh, they keep a very close eye on category as well as individual product. But they're trying to own category, they're trying to dominate categories. So anybody trying to make a move in a category, they want to know about it. So we sometimes work with strategic directors in these companies who are trying to intercept one of those waves and catch it early. And there are ways to intercept and uh, translate that um, across countries, across certain uh, channels. And then when they have that, then they can you know, have the marching orders internally to either balance it out, so counter it, or to keep a very close eye on it so they can interpret exactly what that competitor is doing. Is that competitor doing a test in a country or are they truly going across several countries with a new launch of a you know, category changing launch? So th those are some good examples of what we've seen in terms of return on investment. It seems like the, the ability to look across geographies or across countries is, is really useful because just having the it, it would take an army of people to manage all of that, but we can use the, the power of, uh, of machines here or these tools to uh, keep an eye on potential um, uh, competitor movement in, in a particular geography and, and see almost like uh, a fad the extent to which that um, the, the customer is expanding that effort. Exactly. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, so I think we, we, we need to wrap up. Uh, there's a whole lot more we could talk about, uh, and maybe we'll. Uh, I think we'll do another episode um, to bring one of our, our customers who's using um, our tools and get their thoughts, or who's dealing with these sorts of uh, matters on a daily basis. And we'll do that in a future episode. But to, to wrap up, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on where we uh, expect uh, to evolve. What, what's in store for the next 12 months or so in the competitive intelligence space? Um, David, I think one of the key uh, trends that are that is sort of emerging and will continue to sort of grow, uh, both in terms of the possibilities and the impact, is really how um, is really the contribution of AI and technology uh, within the CI space. Um, and as Joseph referred to earlier, you know, uh, it's really looking at AI uh, both in terms of uh, you know, upstream and downstream uh, in terms of how we can apply AI in sort of accelerating the entire data collection, uh, processing and sort of analyzing bits of it and, and how can it enable sort of faster insights back to the business as well. So I think 
uh, AI and technology are going to be key uh, to sort of uh, providing agility and speed of these insights uh, to the end uh, customer or the business users. And, and I think it's, uh, it's, it's one of the other key changes is really in terms of relevance of competitive intelligence. Traditionally, um, the competitive intelligence uh, function or the insights from CI have been looked at sort of with, a, with a very specific use case. Those use cases are evolving um, very, very quickly. So, so as an example, um, you know, we recently worked with a customer, uh, a large sort of e-cigarettes and vaping brand back in the state wherein their non-e-commerce business reached out to us and you know as an organization we've traditionally worked with their e-commerce business um, and it's really their non-e-commerce business marketing team reached out to us to help them put in place a strategy of engaging uh, you know sort of digital partners online they really wanted to a understand uh, how is competition uh, positioning, uh, selling on uh, online, uh, even though they were the non-e-commerce business who sort of traditionally worked with, uh, you know, offline partners, sold to, uh, you know, retail formats offline. Uh, they, they really were looking at, uh, you know, get a gathering competitive intelligence around activities of their competition online and then marry that data uh, or, you know with some of the data that uh, you know websites uh, upstream and downstream data being provided by tools like jumpshot or similar web um, you know marry this data to then come back to them to say you know uh, you know when we look at your top three or four competitors uh, these are the uh, website channels that they're adopting to a sell. Uh, this is how they're pricing. This is how they're positioning it. Uh, and, and this is really how they're driving traffic or, or promoting their products. Uh, our product course by Compete has the ability to seamlessly integrate with some of these um, you know, third-party solutions, like I said. Uh, and we spoke about, uh, you know, that uh, competitive intelligence data in itself may not hold the relevance that it has traditionally. It needs to sort of work with other data sources and then sort of come up with those insights or stitch that story which is going to be relevant for the business users. Cool. Sounds like uh, an exciting 12 months ahead. Uh, Joseph, any predictions for, uh, for the next 12 months or so? I think Bernice's points are, are, are very, very sort of um, founded on a lot of history in software, where at the end of the day, a lot of the expectations are can I have more and faster, please. And so the, the interfacing with other um, specialist modules that can add and layer value will always be welcome. In, in a sort of pure competitive intelligence view, so taking that lens, I would do three things. One is that added uh, value add through interfacing. I think um, more um, or, or quicker turnaround times, both on the collection and on the analysis that comes out of it. And in, in competitive intelligence, because of what we talked about in the podcast today, which is we are seeing some 
a movement towards um, a lot more varied data sets, enhanced data structures, a move towards collaborating with other partners in, in the business. I think a third leg of the future is going to be to stand back every now and again and bring in specialists and talk about how to best use competitive intelligence for the next 12 years, 12 months, 12 weeks. And that's somebody like Post5 who've got the consultants who can do these once a year, twice a year uh, discussions to unlock some of these things and to be a good conduit for these conversations. So I see three legs, the, the API and extending the reach of the platform, the platforms themselves moving faster and, and more accurately. And then thirdly, providing an additional uh, strategic view that allows people to step back a bit and go, okay, some of the stuff is moving fast, or our competitors are moving fast, what else can we do, as opposed to little incremental things, those three bits. Cool. Well, uh, one, as a listener, uh, you, you might be asking yourself, what can I do next? How can I earn more? Uh, a couple of thoughts uh, that I'll share here. There's the, uh, uh, the Strategic Competitive Intelligence Professionals uh, Professional Group, the SCIP. Uh, check them out. Check out their website. They have events. They, uh, if you're interested in this space, you may already be involved there, but if you're new to the space, uh, it's worth uh, taking a look at what they're offering. Uh, Forrester wrote a new tech report uh, in March of this year. Uh, Course 5 was featured uh, in that report as, uh, as having a, a mature and uh, recommended solution. So take that, take a look at that. Um, you can also contact us and learn more about Course 5 Compete by visiting www.course5i.com and uh, looking at their products and Course 5 Compete. There you can uh, review content about our solution. You can schedule a, a demo. Uh, you can reach out to us and we can connect there. And of course, you can reach out to me, to me, to Joseph via LinkedIn. I uh, would love to continue the conversation with you on this topic. But before we wrap up, let's circle back to the issue of, of naming this baby podcast of ours. I've got a name in mind, but, uh, but me, Joseph, would, would either of you like to propose a name? So, you know, I'm not somebody who leaves things for the last minute. So when I had my baby, you know, we had the name in place. We got the buy stakeholder buy-in. It was just a matter of <laughs> <laughs> And boom, <laughs> we had the certification. Uh, but, you know, I'll take a shot at this. Um, you know, I propose competitive dial. Oh, interesting. Okay. Joseph, how about you? Um, well... <laughs> Uh, again, um, I think we've all um, got views on this trying to come up, but if you were to, I mean, you've got to ignore this recommendation, but you could have a, like a C-section intelligence, but not ignore that. Um, <laughs> so, um, no, I'll leave it to you, David. Um, let's see. Let's see what's going to do. All right. Those are, those are good suggestions. The name I'm, I'm going to write down uh, on the podcast birth certificate uh, form. Uh, is data for fun and profit. Or maybe we'll just call it data for fun. That's what I'm sticking with for now. But um, we may change that. And, and if, it, if it does stick, one of you guys can name the next podcast. Sound okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining, Joseph, Bhavni. Uh, this has been a really interesting conversation. And thank you, dear listener, for tuning in. This has been episode one of Course 5's Data for Fun and Profit podcast. We've been talking about competitive intelligence. Continue the conversation by reaching out to us at www.course5i.com.